All right, welcome to MTG Off the Record, brought to you by Shaheen Sarani and Brian Brondoon. We are here, uh, episode four, I know it's been a long time, sorry to keep you guys waiting. We really have been out of the country and out of our homes week after week after week for tournaments, and finally we have a little break. Uh, we been out of our minds. Say again, what was that? I said we've been mostly just out of our minds. Yeah, yeah, we have been, uh, I, I think... You have to be winning a lot to kind of you know use the tournament excuse. So I guess since we lose <laughs> every week, um, it's a little different. But you know we have the invitational coming up this week, and we wanted to do a cast. Uh, we wanted to do a cast last week, but now we finally have time, so we're doing one now. We'll bring you another one uh, next week, so we can stay uh, consistent. We're gonna try to do two a month. Um, and for all you people out there helping us on the Patreon, we really appreciate it. And just uh, you know loyal fans watching at home, we really appreciate you guys. So. Let's start off by talking about uh, this wonderful team event that just finished. It's no secret that team events are gaining popularity. Uh, Wizards has started uh, made an announcement about a pro tour, uh, team pro tour, and the last one, they, last time they had that was back in uh, you know, South Carolina in 2006 or seven around there. Uh, maybe a little later, maybe a little, couple years later, but it's been a while. It's been almost a decade, and um, that was that was like before I was born, and Shaheen was only like 50 years old at that point in time. <laughs> so. I mean, it wasn't that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was when uh, Brian was just a, uh, you know, uh, a fleeting thought at the time. But um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's back because it's popular, right? Uh, people love teams. I love teams. I love uh, you know being carried by good players. Uh, if you didn't read on Twitter, Brian and I have a blood pack where he's uh, locked for life with me. It's it's kind of unfortunate, and um, only some black magic will remove that. So. How do you feel about the team event series? How do you feel about your blood pack? Uh, and talk to us, Brian, about this uh, team event that just passed in Cleveland. I mean, I, I don't know about this whole blood pack thing. I don't remember signing this. So does it does it still count if it was, you know, coerced out of me when I was in a less than sober state? No, you were asleep actually, and I uh, drafted this document from a few witches I know, and okay. came to you and sliced your arm press my bloody arm against it, so you, who knows what's going on now, and um, the blood pack was signed, so there's no way out of it, and if you try to get out of it, you know the consequence for that. I, I do, actually, yeah, but uh, now team events are great, and uh, as much as I, I like to rag on Shaheen for being old, playing bad decks, etc., he's, he's actually very good at limited, so we, we actually do have some good team chemistry, and... Um, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy those events. I'm looking forward to the, the team, Pro Tour, and so on. Did you thoroughly enjoy uh, Cleveland this weekend? Because uh, I sure um, I don't even I was a bit steamed, actually, um, <laughs> at, at, at our result of this tournament uh, in Cleveland. Um, yeah, we uh, I thought we had, like, two pretty strong pools that we opened, but we... Didn't really build. We built the first one pretty close, but we were a little bit off on the second one. And uh, I don't feel like we played like particularly amazing this weekend as a team. And we, we kind of squandered our riches, as they say. Yeah, I, I think that we we got first. <clears throat> we kind of got really excited about. I mean, you were the one kind of stoked the whole time. Day two, we opened a bunch of great rares. Day one. And then day two, we had a bunch of good rares, and we thought that the rares would carry our pools, like, well, Pascal and I did. 
uh, you kind of you know leveled us out a little bit. But we realized that the, the common uncommon pool was pretty weak, and that the rares just you know it was better to have like another magma spray and like another Gus Walker and another you know multiples of these good cards than to have the one copy of uh, you know Glorybringer that we had. Um, you know, it's, it's those type of changes in team events that were really important, which is kind of a testament to why this, uh, you know, limited format is so great, where you're begging for better commons and uncommons, and the rares are kind of optional at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't build well. Um, I, I think the play was okay. There were some mistakes made. I think that in, in team events past, we had a little bit better chemistry. I know Pascal was feeling pretty ill. Um, we lost a billion dollars at the casino. That wasn't um, a million. You know, for was, I mean, was, for me, I, well, I lost a total of twelve, thirteen hundred. It was a lot. <laughs> that is, uh, whew. yeah. You know, it's 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 stung. Um, but you know, that's because Cleveland. This, I don't want to say anything bad about Cleveland, but I'm trying to think of really good things to say. Um, outside of the locust swarm of. 500,000 alien bugs that were flying around and falling to the ground and hitting Pascal and I in the face and were screaming like little kids. Um, yeah, that, was, that was pretty great. I learned this weekend that Pascal and Shaheen are both deathly afraid of bugs and <laughs> start running around and screaming when presented with insects. So Insects suck, man. You can't you can't attack them back. They get in your – like one of them in the eye and I start freaking out. I mean these things are like – you know, this big with stingers, it looked like. They probably weren't stingers. I know someone Googled it and said the bugs are harmless. But, you know, what does Google know anyway? I, I was I was definitely afraid. Um, Pascal was even more scared than I was because up in yeah. Canada, I think the bugs are much more friendly than they are in America. So, you know, just like – that's how the old saying goes, right? What? That yeah, everything's nicer in Canada, bugs, people, food. Everything treats you nicer. Everything about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I, I don't know about that. I've, yeah. I know some, I know some Canadians. I'll say that much. All right. <laughs> well, we love Pascal, and he's uh, uh, what? <laughs> he's the sole representative of Canada. So, oh no, KYT, who's helped me with this. If he's watching, said he is. You know, he's helped me set up the YouTube streaming. Um, as Brian has mentioned a few times, I'm, I'm anciently old. So, like <clears throat> me trying to set this up, Brian and I were sitting here for a good 25, 30 minutes when it literally was just like two clicks and I was trying to set up all this like I installed like XSplit and all these programs and you know technology's tough it's a tough thing and um, you know I just just I'm glad to have such strong friends to help me out and Brian is not one of those he is maybe <laughs> worse than the technology so but you know kind of closing the whole team series I think that Obviously, you saw the Lingering Souls banner for those who logged in. It's, it's going to change the MTG off the record. That's, that's just my natural banner for my YouTube channel. Um, but outside of just, uh, you know, the Pro Tour Lingering Souls team that I have, uh, the team that Brian, me, and Pascal in these last few uh, team events, the Team Pro Tour coming up, I see Team SCG uh, constructed tournaments that are coming up, these are all kind of like the new wave of formats that, uh, have had extreme popularity, and um, you know, for you guys out there, if you're going to play at one or two events, you should definitely pick the team event that's on the table because you know, Magic. I think when you go as a car and you all play individually, you know, when you you ride it for the road trip, you're on the hotel, you all play individually. You're happy when your friend does well, but when you are invested because you and your team rise or fall together, 
you know, that's that adds a whole other dynamic to it. So it's great. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you um, see the, a thing where it's like, you know, you're happy your friend did well, but you did really poorly, and that's kind of like, you know, dragging you down. Whereas with the team stuff, it's kind of like, well, either we're both doing well or we're both doing horrible. So, but on the on the flip side, though, if your goal is to win the tournament, <laughs> playing a team event maybe not the best thing just because of uh, just an enormous reduction in variance. Like we see teams like the the Peach Garden Oath, Owen, Huey, and Reed just winning over and over and over again. Uh, it almost feels like golf, you know. You see like the same same players just constantly winning, or you know, sports like that where it's like when you when you add in the team sealed aspect of it, there's there's just so much skill involved that even though variance is still obviously a factor in like what cards you open and um, you know how you like like what you know you could get mana screwed or whatever that's still a thing but the more and more players on your team and like the more and more packs you're opening and stuff it just really reduces that variance a lot and then you see like you know two teams of platinum pros against each other in the finals over and over and over again yeah i mean they could just be you know just like what we said when we started playing magic they're just getting lucky and we're getting unlucky i prefer to live by that mentality <laughs> take you know personal responsibility for our losses. So. But yeah, I mean, we're we're happy for PGO. Um, you know, I kind of was just segue us into our next topic with you know, kind of discussing them and the legacy that they've had. Um, they deserve all the wins they get. They are they put more work into the game than anyone else. I think that you know, like you said, when you put them to a team event, the the odds are stacked against everyone else. Like you know, the more variables you cut out of the equation and you leave it just to their teams like when one falls a mana screw the other two lift them up it's really tough for another team to kind of have an edge on them and um and that goes double and limited where you have like you said 12 packs every deck is pretty good and if it's not good they can make you know lemon lemonade out of lemons pretty easily and um you know it's that's for winning the tournament but i think that even with that being said, I think that a top four berth or even maybe a decent finish is probably a higher is decent probability for like a team like us, where we are. I mean, obviously, our skill varies on the team, but we have uh, enough talent and background in the game where we can, uh, you know, finish kind of strong there. But you're right, winning or being a finalist or is even top four sometimes, depending on you know the location of the tournament, is pretty tough. It's tough money right there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think making top four is is hard, but like even going on to win from top four, um, like team draft is just such a skill thing, as well, you know. And uh, I mean, I I don't like we also just like it's not really a thing that happens anymore. Like you used to go to a grand prix and people were just team drafting all the time, off to the sides, uh, like money drafting or whatever. Uh, and that just doesn't really ever happen anymore. So like a lot of a lot of even like up and coming teams of like good players, like they don't have team draft experience. So they don't know about like, you know, pass cutting or all this other random stuff that like some of these really old emphasis on old players know <laughs> how to do. And I mean even even myself, like I have not team drafted that much lifetime. So yeah. I remember when we taught Ford uh, Sao Paulo, I was like, we were going around, I'm asking, so how many times have we team drafted? 
And, you know, I'm probably team drafted maybe a couple hundred times, a uh, lifetime maybe 150 times, maybe a little less than 200. Um, <clears throat> a lot. I mean, because like you said, it was just a constant thing. You're at a Grand Prix. You do it all day, too. <laughs> Even like this past weekend, like Monty Davuti asked me to team draft. Uh, Ely wanted to team draft afterward. And, you know, those are just – and now you're like, why? <laughs> it's not a thing to do. We just finished playing all this magic. We don't play any more magic. But um, let's talk about some new cards because okay. the new set's on the rise. Um, we obviously are looking for a refreshing, like, uh, boost to standard because, I mean, the banning for Marvel was awesome. And I think it's across the board, people are pretty happy with the format. Obviously, <clears throat> they had to do a lesser evil of banning a card again to make the format playable. Uh, but now... People are having to cast their spells the honest way. I've seen ramp decks do well. I just got destroyed by this white weenie deck with a, a Ketra's Monument and like uh, Aviator Mechanics going off like some infinite-ish combo, like putting a million one ones in play. Uh, so I think the format's wide open because decks like that can compete with Marvel or Mardu. Because Mardu being the like the sole powerful decks like standing. I mean, you know, you have Team Energy and all these outliers, but Mardu was considered the tier one deck. That being like the big villain standing is not an unbeatable strategy and creature decks can easily compete with it so um i guess first you want to give an opinion on the new standard with the bannings and then tell us about a couple of cards that you're excited about you know trying to test them with for this pro tour just in general yeah i mean i i, I wrote an article last week about standard after the bannings and um i don't even think mardu is the best deck like i i, I think that um, the energy cards are still the best thing you can be doing. Like, there's a variety of energy decks, Teamer, Black Green, etc. But uh, I just think that those energy cards are just really, really, really strong and like the best thing that you can do. Um, and then, you know, Mardu's still going to be a good deck, but I, I, I still don't think Mardu's going to be the best deck. And then there's Zombies, which um, is very powerful against str certain strategies. And really good if your opponent's not like gunning to beat it, but it's very exploitable. Um, you know, if you have the right cards on your sideboard, you're going to beat zombies. So, yeah. So what I, feel like, I feel like Mardu's still going to be like where it's always been, like the second best deck, and then the best deck's going to be just some sort of energy variant of I, you know, whatever it may look like, but. Yeah, do you think so? Even though zombies are exploitable, do you think that maybe some of the new cards will help it out? They're, they spoiled a, a new zombie. Um, I'm just going to read it out loud here. Yeah. And just, just so the you know, viewers can, if they haven't been up to date with the spoiler, so spoiler alert. Uh, let's pull it up. Amit Eternal. <laughs> uh, now I'm talking about Unraveling Mummy. Have you seen that one? Mm, I've seen. Let me see if I can find it. Well, I'll tell everyone else who's watching, I can tell you too. It's a black, white, and one other for a 2-3 zombie. Target attacking zombie gains lifelink to on the turn. You can pay a white and a colorless to do that. Or target attacking zombie gains death touch to on the turn. You can pay a black and a colorless. So we saw like black-white zombies on, you know, as one of the archetypes uh, as an option, uh, you know, as opposed to mono-black zombies that people were playing more, more often. So I think this is kind of another print to kind of maybe sway the the balance back to splashing a second color in the zombie deck. So, you know, it's a three drop, which is kind of already heavy in the zombie decks, but it gives creatures lifelink, so you're able to race, um, you know, the energy deck that's kind of gotten ahead of you, or you're able to power through 
like one of their gigantic creatures would give me an attacking zombie death touch. So, what do you think about that fella? Uh, I think that card's pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. Is it because <laughs> of the mana cost, really? I think it's just too much mana for the effect. Um, like, it feels like a... I, I think that card will be great, obviously, in limited. Like, cards like that always are, but... I just think it's it's just too much of an investment, um, mana wise, to be good and constructed. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, the three drop is so saturated because you have the Lord and you have Diagraph Colossus. Yeah, um, and like Dark those Salvation. three drops. Say again. And Dark Salvation for one. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, and all those plays seem better than this card. I just don't know if that's <clears throat> maybe I'm. I, I when I, when I first saw it, I kind of like under like undervalued and undersold. I was hoping you'd uh, say no, this card is great, so then I could just play black white zombies. But you know, um, I kind of in agreement with you. What do you think so, about the Scarab God? That's the only other zombie esque card that I've really seen. That's really the what? The Scarab God, the five drop for blue black. Oh, I mean, I think did you miss the five five for three? I think that card's really good. The one where they play a spell and it gets smaller. Yeah, but when it deals damage to them, you get to regrow it back to a 5-5, five, five, and every time it gets blocked, they take 3 damage. All right, yeah, let me read the card for everybody. <clears throat> so it's Emit Eternal. It's a zombie crocodile demon. Afflict 3 afflicts a new ability where they get uh, they lose life based on the uh, afflict value when it's blocked. So when an opponent casts a spell, they put a minus 1 minus 1 counter on Emit Eternal, and when it deals damage, combat damage, you remove all minus 1 minus 1 counters. So again, I, I think the, these cards are sweet, especially, I mean, this is better than the black-white one, but do you think the mana cost might negatively affect this, or you just have to just suck it up and play, you know, 12 three-drops pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it uh, whether it comes down to seeing play is definitely going to be what you just said. Like, it might not work with the mana, um, but in terms of, like, power level itself, I think it's... I mean, it's it's comes down. It's already like it comes down as a five five, which is kind of bigger than any of the other zombies. Uh, it's definitely bigger than like Diagraph Colossus early in the game, uh, and so on. And then, even though your opponent can play some spells and shrink it, they have to also be able to trade with it immediately, or else it just gets back to a five five. And then, even if they do trade with it, um, you still deal them three damage when they block. I mean, they could kill it with a removal spell, but, you know, everything dies to a removal spell, so I don't think that's really, like... Yeah, and it does survive, like, the sweepers. Like, Yahini's expertise pretty easily. Um, you know, you have to cast two spells before that, and it would not do combat damage to you. Uh, I guess one of the expertise, they can cast two spells off it, but, you know, the decks, like, my blue-black deck, it never could cast two spells anyway off that card. I'd have to, like, you know, cast an additional removal spell or something. Um, so that's not really that bad. Also, like... Uh, Sweltering Suns and kind of dodges that too, so yeah, I'm with you. Uh, what else do you? Any other cards you see? Not really for the zombie deck, but just in general that kind of excites you there. Yeah, there's a couple ones. Um, so my favorite card in the set is is the split card uh, or the aftermath card, Claim Fame. Um, pull that up real quick. Yeah, so the claim side is a uh, black sorcery for just a single black mana. Return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And then the fame side, um, which you can cast from your graveyard, uh, is like the aftermath. It costs one and a red. And its target creature gains plus two plus zero and gains haste until end of turn. So um, I'm not, I don't know if this card's going to do that much in terms of standard, but um, 
it's really similar to a card that does see play in Legacy, actually, that's not modern legal. Uh, and that card is Unearth, which is a single black mana to return a creature card of two or less casting cost to the battlefield. And then Unearth has Cycling, whereas this card has Aftermath. Um, but that card's not, like, Unearth is not legal in modern. And if it was, I imagine it would see a lot of play in the Death Shadow decks because you can, you can do things like uh, Unearth Snapcaster Mage to flashback Unearth on Death Shadow, uh, or things like that. Or um, so with this card, like I'm expecting you to be able to go like claim, bring back my Death Shadow, Fame, give it plus two plus zero, and haste, kill you. Uh, it feels like you get a free Battle Rage almost, right? Like. Like, without having to play it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't give Trample and Double Strike and whatever that Battle Rage does, but it, it's just the haste... But it comes out of the blue. They, I mean, you don't even see that coming. Like, Battle Rage is pretty easy to sniff out. Like, uh, I played against Daryl Ayers on camera, and, you know, he just you just know when someone has Battle Rage for most of the time because of the attacks they make. But, like, this, you know, it's a natural card. And you just draw and cast and kill somebody, like, out of the blue. I think it's going to be... Uh, the more you describe it, the better... I think it's going to be, I think this is a, you're right, this is a pretty nasty card in that deck. So I always wondered, because when you look at Grix's Death Shadow, the red in Death Shadow, and you correct me if I'm wrong, even though it's important, is obviously like the side color, right? It's the splash. You have blue-black as the basis. Yeah. Um, and this is just another blue-black card with like the red big upside at the end in case you need it. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm glad I bought Death Shadow to have it built, and hopefully they don't mess with it. Um, you know, if you had to guess, Mr. Uh, Brown doing, if you had to guess what my favorite card would be in the set, could you? Like, just with just knowing who I am? Oh, man, I bet it's... I mean, I just... This is just right off the top of my head. I'm oh, going to go with... Uh, um, Nicole Bolas, <laughs> God Pharaoh. You are correct, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> well, you know what? You're, a, like I said before, you're like a soothsayer, a fortune teller. You know, it's very good. So let's talk about Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh. All right? It is a seven-mana planeswalker, Grixis colored. The abilities you guys have all seen at home, but I'll go quickly through them. The plus two, they reveal cards, opponent from the top of their library, exile, actually. So you exile not a land card until an attorney may cast it without paying the mana cost. So you get to marvel a random card there. The plus one is each opponent exiles two cards from their hand. The minus four is seven damage target opponent creature, or opponent a creature control, or a, uh, a creature an opponent controls or the opponent himself. And then the minus 12 is exile all non-land permanents that your opponent controls. So this card uh, has everything a planeswalker could want. It comes in, it kills the biggest creature. It comes in and has an immediate negative impact to mid-range and uh, control decks with the plus one exile two cards. And the ultimate, even though it's not as flashy as the last Nicol Bolas, it still is really good. And I think the best thing about this Nicol Bolas is that if you're already a blue-red control aficionado, you don't have to add any colored mana to your, your mana base for black. You already have four Aether Hub. So you really don't need to add, you know, black lands. We could play like a cycling land. Yeah, you could like play a, like a he, couple uh, Canyon Sloth or Feeded Pools. Yeah, which is great. I think the card's going to be an easy fit in there because, you know, the, the problem with the blue-red deck that I really saw when I played it at the Grand Prix, I went 03 at, pretty good, um, was at Montreal. The deck has a hard time 
like dealing with things that kind of got out of control. Yeah. And like Nicol Bolas has the ability to kill a creature that Blue Red could never dream of killing. Like I, I there's so many ch- uh, turns where like at Harness Landing with like one energy and I can never kill like uh, a big creature from the green black deck or uh, I couldn't kill a Diagraph Colossus randomly uh, with a removal spell and I think this comes out and does it. It's obviously not the best card against aggro and by be- not the best card I mean it's pretty bad. You would have to like plus two ramp and just keep stalling to get to the ult- uh, ultimate to, to do something. But I think it's pretty devastating against the energy decks and control decks if you can resolve it. Uh, you know it's I know you're not a fan, and I know you're going to you know, poo-poo all over my favorite cards, so if you'd like to do that real quick, go for it. Do your worst. No, I'll, 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 I'll abstain. <laughs> I'll Just this once. All right, well, how about this card? I have one more card I want to run by you. Um, okay. So I've been begging for, like, an effect like uh, that, you know, like an out. This, we'll save the card first. So our revelation is like the the what was the card that it was it was before the planner cleansing planner cleansing yeah so like the the rats have been so bad at four man and below like sweltering suns has been pretty good but like there hasn't been like a true like one card answer all and that's the big issue with control decks now like they play like you know uh, whirler virtuoso make some guys you can deal with all that tapping out they play a planeswalker you have multiple avenues of defeat where you have to like deal with creatures and planeswalkers they play like uh you know just any kind of a, a wide variety of things like uh you have like relentless deads that come back from the graveyard so there's just so many different threats and i think like our revelation kind of gives a little bit of hope to uh fools like me that'll play control decks in the new set when the new format comes out being able to like kill like gideon kill heart of kieran basically have a full Full, true, like board sweep against Mardu. Um, yeah, I think it kills a Scrappy Scrounger too. Yeah, it killed Scrappy Scrounger. Oh wait, it comes back. <laughs> I know. It was, this card. This I was going to ask you. I, I don't think this card's very good, but I think like it was so close to being good. You have all these cards have these exile effects, and they just couldn't make it exile, huh? They couldn't just exile everything. I, I actually do think this card is good. Like. Cleaner cleansing always saw play when it was in standard before. So, I mean, I think I mean like the you should just ignore that cost three less line of text because that's just almost never going to happen. But um, I do think that paying six mana to blow up all creatures, but also getting Gideons and Hearts and stuff is is, is worth it. Um, I mean, there's also still Archangel Avacyn, et cetera, so it's it's not, like, the end-all, but I do think it'll see some play. Yeah, and I think control decks, like, have an option with cards like this to have, like, this with mana open. Um, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes on turn six you have to do like, get rid of everything, but, like, I think, like, the card like this, having this with, like, an Essence Scatter open layer in the game after, like, stabilizing, you can protect yourself against a lot of those kind of abilities, like Avacyn or having, like, negate open for, like, you know, some kind of, like, uh, team or strategy. I hope it's good, because if it's good, then, you know, I'm going to be one of the first to sleeve it up. But, uh, yeah, any other cards you can think of off the top of your head that you want to talk about? Yeah, there's only, there's there's one other card that I want to mention before we end, because we're, we're kind of hitting the end of our time here. But um, I actually think that Overwhelming Splendor is pretty sweet. I don't know if you've seen that card. Hit me. All right. So it's a, it's a curse. Um, I know Shaheen likes curses, so 
we're, we're already we're already right up his alley. Um, oh yeah. It's it's a uh, eight mana curse. You enchant oh, yeah. Mana. yeah. Creatures enchanted player controls lo lose all abilities and have base power and toughness one one. And then enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. So basically, it's like humility plus like damping matrix or something at the same time, but it's one sided. I don't know. What do you What do you think about that card? Uh, I playing that limited would make me vomit. So it almost reminds me of a second Sandworm convergence. If I open that card, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm first picking that. Yeah, it's just going in the deck, so. So you might want to withhold your good and limited uh, praise until after this next set because <laughs> eight mana, one ones forever. I think it's fine. Uh, obviously depends on if people are playing like Teamer, like you said, energy, and have like Negate. It's kind of embarrassing to tap eight and get Negated. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the problem with all these cool like enchantments. Like, you know, you tap all this mana, and if the best deck in the format has a Negate package in their sideboard, you're going to get destroyed by even trying to get this in play. I mean, maybe they'll like print a way to sneak in curses, maybe. Maybe. I think it was like Blair Witch something. Not, not the Blair Witch Project, but like some witch. Some witch. A, cursed, a cursed witch? A cursed witch. Did I say Blair Witch? Yeah, that's a, well, that's there a, is a way to sneak in curses in modern. You know what I'm talking about? Talking about Enduring Ideal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and build that. It's great. Yeah. What's that cost? Seven mana? Only seven. It's not that much. Only you seven mana. Deal. You got yourself a deal. I mean, the card's cool. I think that you know any of these really expensive expensive haymakers um, have potential as negate gets worse. I mean, playing this against like having this as like your last card against a zombie deck, or having it against even like uh, Mardu that resolves later in the game, it's going to be tough for them to win. Um, you know, especially from the control side, it curves perfectly with a certain gaining life spell that wins you the game, you know? Perfect curve. That's talking, about approach of the, talking about approach of the old second sun? Oh, yeah, look at this curve. You ready? Torrential Gearhawk at the low cost of six. No. Okay. You're, you're not thinking big enough. You're not thinking big enough. All right, what's our nine, then? All right, so we got, we got Hour of Revelation at six. Okay. Then Approach of the Second Sun at seven. Overwhelming Splendor at 8. And then pull from tomorrow at 9 to cast the spell again. And then you know what happens at 10? What's that? Ulamog! Oh, yeah! <laughs> we're giving away too many deck-building secrets right now. For We're not going to have any content. Uh, we should keep it, keep it quiet on our Ulamog. Uh, overwhelming <laughs> curse. <laughs> hate us right now for giving away the tech. It's all right. It's all right. Well, uh, we wanted to come by for a quick one. This is, I know, about 30 minutes or so. The The next podcast will be a little bit longer, 35 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to try the YouTube live thing. Uh, I think it's just a better way to get the, get out to you guys quickly. We don't have to, like, block out so much time for editing. And, you know, once this file saves, and I'm going to upload it on the SoundCloud and iTunes. And that way, you know, we, guys, we can get you guys episodes quicker. Uh, the next time I'll, I'll be watching the YouTube comments a little bit more closely. So for our uh, Patreon uh, contributors, we you know you can ask questions directly. We'll talk to you about your questions on the stream, um, and we're going to start to de uh, deliver on those Patreon rewards uh, for those signed up. So I want to thank you guys for listening for MTG Off the Record uh, episode four. Shaheen Sarani saying goodbye, and Brian saying nothing.
Have a good one, guys.